gonna be a laughing show, I can tell. <laughs> what do you mean? <laughs> it's not. It's not either. <laughs> there will likely be lots of laughing. Right. This is such a weird thing. Okay. Just needed a breath there for a second. Yeah. Okay. Welcome to In the Act, a radio program on process and the creative life. Creativity does not just start and stop with artists. We all make aesthetic or guiding decisions. Our aim is to talk through the process and investigate how we choose to express ourselves and live creatively. We are connecting with people about their lives. That is the subject of our, of our show, Broadcasting from Mead Public Library in Sheboygan, Wisconsin on Mead Community Radio, I am Erica Hunsinger, and this is In the Act. And today's guest on In the Act is Kim Geyser. Hello. Hello. <laughs> Thank you for being here. Thank you for inviting me. Yes. Uh, I would like to tell our listening audience that the surprise, beautiful creation of yourself that walked in the door today was of the most fluorescent beautiful pink <laughs> hair bob this is this is a pretty intense one <laughs> I, I love it i've been going through the rainbow with my hair and this one is pretty this one's pretty intense it gets looks <laughs> <laughs> yeah there's no doubt good Fine. I kind of love that. Yeah. I love that you went through the rainbow. Yeah. Are you going to continue cycling through the rainbow? I'm just going to keep doing whatever feels right. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. And then, like, when you're tired of it or when it starts to... Yeah. yeah. I mean, like... like or if when my the... hair falls out, you know, from bleaching yeah. it. <laughs> I'll just shave it and start over. I mean, like, the cycle. Like, how long is the cycle? Is it like a month? Do you keep the pink? And then you're yeah. like, I feel green or... I have uh, really oily hair, so I have to wash my hair every day. So it yeah. doesn't last quite as long for me as it does for most people who gotcha. do it. So it's supposed to be 30 days. For me, it's about three weeks, every three weeks. Yeah. Awesome. But I kind of have to be careful to go into a color that will work with the color before because there's still a little bit of color in there. Oh, yeah. So, so if you, you really dye your hair to... green and then you want to dye it, you know. Red, you're going brown. Yeah, there's weird color theory. Like, yeah, it's like totally different than the color theory that we know. Like, oh, but not. But it is. So yeah, it's just been fun. Yeah. Oh, I love it. It's a great radar to see who I would invite in my life. Oh, because if people look at me and they go, "What is wrong with her?" <laughs> yeah, I kind of know that I'm probably not going to want to sit and have coffee with them. <laughs> Right. <laughs> it's a really good gauge. It becomes a good gauge then. It's been super fun. Yeah. But maybe I'd be surprised. Right. Who knows? Right. And Who I feel knows? like you're open to those things. I am. Yeah. Totally open to anything. Right. Yeah. Which is... I also mean. have no filter and say whatever is on my mind, clearly. Which I super appreciate <laughs> as a fellow... <laughs> Fellow out there, voicer of opinions. Yes. Um, I think that's a creative thing. How so? Um, well, I've, I've found in my life that a lot of the people who I, I see as highly creative 
tend to also be very passionate in their lives. Yeah. Like about everything, Mm -hmm. like about the grass and the sun and the trees and like every individual piece of sand. And like, those are my favorite people. And when you feel like that, I feel like you kind of feel like that about everything. Yeah. And you just, and I also think that sometimes for me and the people who I love the most who are creative, you don't have, like I said, you don't have that filter as much because you have to be brave to put your creativity out in the world. Absolutely. So if you're brave to do that, then you're brave to say, hey, (laughs) whatever it is you want to say. Right. So, yeah, I think creativity is brave. I totally agree with you. Mm -hmm. I love that. Creativity is brave. Mm Mm-hmm. Kind of want to sit in that for a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, and because of all of those reasons, too, brave for yourself um, to expose something that feels like you have to be brave or risk-taking mm-hmm. to do so or to express it in some way. And then brave to um, the next layer is to have others see it and that that's a, a brave experience then, too, of – how do they respond? Do I care if they what they think, uh, or does it really affect me? Um, how do I move through this next process? Oh, huge journey as a creative, I think. Right. I and know. And then the exter- <laughs> like the the tertiary one of people like you don't know that are responding to your work and and the or Just your who life you are, or who yeah. you are. Yeah. Right. Yeah, that's huge. I mean. I can't speak for anybody else, but as a very empathic, loving, caring person who really cares about a lot of stuff, yeah, it has nearly destroyed me in my life being misunderstood. And of course, I'm misunderstood. I, you know, I don't, I don't do anything like other people do. I don't, I don't fit in because I can't, you know. So. To live a life where you're completely misunderstood your whole life um, and to reach a point, you know, I'm close to 50 now. Yeah. And I've reached that point where if you don't get me, I'm sorry. Yeah. Um, but that's all part of that creative process, I think. Like, I, I mean, there are magical unicorns who are born without caring of <laughs> what other people think and they can just express themselves freely. And I revel in their light. <laughs> but <laughs> I, I'm just not one of those people. It took me nearly 50 years. Sure. Um, I would say in the last couple of years, I've developed that, that, sorry, if you don't, if you don't understand me and don't want to take the time to understand me anymore. Yeah. What do you think helped you um, develop like the, the, cause it, I think we're talking about like core, strength core self mm-hmm. um and feeling comfortable with yourself enough to to hold strong and to believe in yourself and in those like what do you think helped you i mean i know that one thing you're saying is time but it took a lot of time and experience i think a lot for me it's just so many things um it's paring down people in my life which seems really it's a little harsh, but I don't allow people in my life as much as I used to. And I have found so much peace in that. Um, People in your life that treat you a certain way or just people in general? um, I think I've just kind of 
blocked myself from a lot of people in general. Yeah. yeah. Okay. I was very out. I'm very, very vocal, and I have yeah. always been very vocal on social media, and and I still am. But I've started to realize that um, it's not necessarily something that serves me. So I have kind of backed off a lot. Yeah. Um, I'm still. I you know I still. When something comes up that grinds me, I'm still going to talk about it. But um, I started a nonprofit a few last year, and I paired my Facebook friends from over 2,000 to about 600. Wow. Um, which was hard because there there are a lot of people who I really I like, you know. It's not that I didn't like people. It's that I've realized that I need to protect myself, mm -hmm. and um, that was a big part of it for me was just taking that step and saying, okay, this is my life, my sanity, my, you know, and and that came from time. I do think that the pandemic for me has been a very good thing because I'm privileged and, and lucky and never had to worry about food or anything like that. Um, but for me, it's really opened my eyes up to the world and how differently we all see things yeah. and that I'm never going to see things the same as a lot of people. And I appreciate that. I, right. you know, I do still um, hope to lead by example to yeah. the people that I no longer feel like I can relate to. Um, and I hope that they, you know, see the benefits of doing good things and right things. But um, it's not me for me anymore, you know, yeah. and I, I, I kind of like that. I kind of like that knowing. Um, getting real, real strong with my boundaries <laughs> has yeah. been huge. I hear that. Um, so... I, I don't know. I, I just think it's age. I just think it's just wisdom and growing up and experiencing things that, you know, that change you right. forever and paying attention to it. Right. I think you know? that's that cycle, right? Mm -hmm. It's like action or experience happens and then reflection, What? how do I feel about it? What happened? Right. And then what do I want to do about it? Um, nothing everything <laughs> you know well and, and a lot of people don't okay. reflect i don't think a lot of people reflect because yeah. it's too much sure um it's a lot yes. it is a lot to work on yourself and the, to to say oh crap i was wrong or yes. oh like i need to like really think about the way that i presented something or or did something it it's it takes a strong person and a lot of people just don't want to they just yeah. don't want to and that's fine yeah. um but or those aren't, aren't able to I or aren't able i agree i agree don't even have the tools to know right and, how to. and haven't had the support exactly don't really know how to exactly yeah there's so many i mean we're all so different and yeah mm -hmm. um and realizing that i think is part of it all too yeah is that you're just not gonna you're not for everyone right you yeah. know, and and if I walk into a room and somebody looks at me and rolls their eyes because I have pink hair, I'm not for that person. Right. And they're not for me. So right. it's okay. Yeah. <laughs> you know, we had uh, 
this is a totally personal thing, but my brother-in-law um, lived with us in the pandemic, and he had pancreatic cancer. Um, and he was also schizophrenic, so there was really nowhere for him to go during the pandemic dying. Um, and that experience to me of seeing someone die um, with a mental illness that completely consumed his life made me realize that there are things in life that just are not bad. They're not good. There's just no solution. And that is just the way it is. And that to me was one of the greatest lessons too, is that like, things don't have to be good all the time. Sometimes life just sucks. Sometimes life just sucks. And you know, that's, that's a good, that's a good thing to think about, you know, like things are unfair, things are horrible. And there's not always a solution. There's not always something to fix. Right. And as a person who wants to make things better, Mm -hmm. you know, and my creative brain wants to make things better all the time. That was a good lesson. And like, you can't always make things better. Right. So, yeah. Just a lot of things happened in the last couple of years. I'm so sorry like, about your brother. Yeah, it was a it, he, he's he's not suffering anymore. You know, yeah. like it was a it was a it was a very life changing experience. Yeah. That if anybody listening ever has the opportunity to be with someone when they pass, I just strongly recommend it. It's a very you view life completely different. So. Yeah, it was pretty major, pretty major. But thank Thank you. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah. I agree with you. I think it's important for people to um, not, um, you know, we go in cycles too, right? And life cycle and talking a little bit about this yesterday. um, But I think that... um, we are all going to experience difficulties and deep, painful heartaches and hardships. And it doesn't, none of us are exempt from it, but how we can support each other. Um, you supported your brother-in-law, you know, right? You did make things better for him. We tried. <laughs> and that's, it's something that I hope this show provides for people is to see that there are options and ways and connections um, because life is so hard. It is. And we are living within this really bizarro time that no one could have really predicted would, um, you know, it's like science fiction. It's and it's collective so trauma. Much, it is it's collective, collective trauma. Right? Mm-hmm. Like we are all going through this trauma together. Absolutely. And it's it's and we just... have different ways of expressing ourselves. Oh, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so done. Aren't you done? Yeah. I mean, like, we I'm all just, are. Right? I mean, everybody, and that's yeah. part of it. Yeah, yeah. Like, and it's like the dissociative piece too that a lot of us do. I think probably everybody does. Like, okay, I'm not thinking about death. I'm not thinking about. Um, the tragedy involved, we're going to think about smiles and, you know, and to be a full, full human, you have to think and, and be all. And, and we do. It's just whether or not you 
acknowledge it, I suppose. Exactly. And it, it's not that we want people to, people to be mired in it and be held and held down or made to be in that, but to recognize and to see each other for where they are. And I think acknowledgement goes a long way. Mm-hmm. I agree. I totally agree. I think um, all of us are going to deal with everything so differently. And if you, uh, if I deal by, by putting a statistic on my social media that one in 500 Americans have died from this virus, one in 500, if you think about that, that is, that is a mind boggling thing for me to think about. Yeah. I don't post that because I want somebody to feel bad about a decision or I want somebody to feel good about their decisions or or anything surrounding this vibe. I post that because one out of 500 people in our country have died. Right. And that's sad to me. Yeah. And I, you know, like I just I mourn that one person. Yeah. <laughs> I mourn the almost 700,000 people, you know, like as an empath, which often is creative, you know, I feel like it's intertwined. Mm -hmm. um, I feel that. Yeah. <laughs> I feel it. Like, yeah. so for me um, to express those things is, is who I am. Yeah. You know, it's just, I can't help it. And I'm how, annoying. <laughs> I get it, but it's who I am. Right. <laughs> I fully accept that I'm annoying too, by the way. Right. <laughs> no problem with it. I got it. Yeah. I am. Um, completely obnoxious <laughs> I love that you said that under your breath like, in this pause I'm completely obnoxious <laughs> welcome back to In the Act we're here with Kim Geyser so <laughs> we ended on this cute little funny I'm annoying um, but also that uh that you have to express yourself. Yeah. And I know that one of the ways that you express yourself is through talking and through writing. And, um, but what do you physically do? Like, what do you? Well, I, I started a nonprofit, as I said earlier, so I really don't do anything anymore except run that. Name of it? But, <laughs> but, um. Is that Hello Happiness? It is Hello Happiness Creativity Center in Sheboygan, um, which I absolutely, I mean, it's my life's work. It's my, everything has led to it. Um, however, I am, I love drawing. I'm an illustrator. Um, I do mixed media art and I make jewelry. I pretty much do everything. I have dabbled in pretty much List it off. Let's everything. Hear it. Let's hear it. Um, I I do polymer clay. I do I, just mixed media paintings. I have a very, like, my approach to art is very different than most artists. I just look at it as 100% play for me. Um, and if people resonate with what I put out in the world and want to buy it, I'll let them buy it for 20 bucks. I I have been very prolific. So I have probably, I figured it out not long ago, 
I do these quick like letter painting kind of painting things where I doodle basically on a canvas and then and then paint it. I have sold probably 3000 plus of those in my life <laughs> and I'm not even joking like I'm the kind of person who's like um, okay, I'll buy 200 canvases and paint them all in four days. Um, so I'm just, I'm kind of a little manic in that way when it comes to making art. Mm-hmm. Um, but I always, I didn't bring it today because I figured I should concentrate on talking and not doodling. But I almost always have a clipboard with white cardstock and a Sharpie medium point pen. Cardstock 8.5 by 11? In regular cardstock. Okay. I have, I have totes full of these, these pieces of cardstock that I've doodled on, um, and sometimes I revisit them and be like, "Oh, I drew that! Like that's cool!" And then I, you know, use that as a starting point for something else. Um, I have so many that I'm getting to the point where I'm thinking I'm going to have like a burning burning party or something because oh, there's too many. I mean, it's ridiculous. Yeah. Um, but that is my always my go to. I love drawing. Yeah, I just love it. And what um, do you do? You, did you say a sharpie? Is that sharpie? A on? sharpie pen, not the regular sharpie. Okay. I was using sharpies. This is this is not even a lie. I was using yeah. sh- regular sharpie. You know, like the fine tip sharpie. Uh-huh. In the beginning, I develop. I draw in bed a lot, okay. so the, it's so close to me. I got I got pneumonia, and I think that. <laughs> Like, I'm not even kidding. Like, I stopped using them because I was like, I use them so obsessively that the fumes. The fumes. So now the Sharpie pen doesn't have those fumes and they don't bleed. So it's a different, they're much more expensive and harder to find. Um, I think the the weird world of. No production has made the medium point Sharpie pen supply dwindle in the world. <laughs> Not happy about it. So anytime I find them anywhere, I'm like, I buy them all. <laughs> no joke, thousands. Wow. I have bought thousands of those. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. And one, la- one will last me like, one pen will last me probably like four days. Nuh-uh. Oh, for sure. <laughs> four days? Because the tip, so how so, many like, hours I'm so are you weird. talking that you're like that you're drawing? I always draw. If I'm sitting at home, like last night we watched the uh, SpaceX launch. Oh yeah, uh-huh. we've been obsessed with that on Netflix. So I was like crying because I was. I'm like, please don't let these people die, and they didn't. It was very successful. Oh, because you were thinking of the the yes, I think, or no. think right because we the challenger when you lived yeah. through that and you saw that, and then yeah. now it's like I'm watching this and I'm like, please don't. Oh my gosh. But it didn't. They're in space. They're, yeah, they're they're all good. <laughs> they're all good. But I drew. I ended up drawing, you know, little rocket ships and stars, and you know, so I just yeah. kind of absorb what's around me and then I just draw it hours every day if I'm home and if I'm just hanging out I'm usually drawing wow but yeah and then you take those drawings some of those drawings have morphed into you have coloring books I do I have a book you do murals. Yep. Oh, I'm sorry. I should have No, that's that. okay. Yeah. <laughs> I do have a book out in the world. I had a book published in 2017, and you can still buy it at all major retailers. 
Um, the, then you have murals. I have done a few murals, yep. I love doing those. And you've made them into tattoos for yourself, right? Like some of your images? I you do, yes. Do and other people. I have – there's, I think, four or five other people who have gotten – my art. Oh, for sure. Somebody once said to me that I should become a tattoo artist, and I'm like, I don't really want to touch people that long. <laughs> right. <laughs> it's an intimate no, thing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's so. <laughs> like, what if you? What if the person you're tattooing is really not jiving with you? Like, I couldn't do it. Yeah. I have respect for tattoo artists. Oh. Yeah. Huge. Yeah. Like that's huge. Big deal. You were in a show once that was at the art supply, uh, Lakeshore Art Supplies, and I don't even know how many paintings you put up. I Was it like 250? I, that was such a fun thing for me because I, I, <laughs> I love that I did that. <laughs> like when, when you guys asked me, I was like – okay, I could just do what I normally do or I could just paint like 200 canvases yellow and make smiley faces and write a word on it and like what an impact that would make. Yeah. That was fun. It was fun. <laughs> I mean, it, it became an installation then. It was right? ridiculous. It was so That's it was really I... focused <laughs> on this. <laughs> I, they still float around in my studio, you know, because sure. like, they were really small, like two inch by two inch paint, paintings right. too that were just like, you know, quick five dollars. Yeah. And they pop up every once in a while in the studio. And I'm like, that was just cr like, you just did that. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Uh, I, and I like surprise. I like I like throwing things at people that they don't expect. Right. I love it. <laughs> what does it do for you? I don't uh, – I like pushing boundaries. I like opening up paths for other people to do the same. I like seeing people doing what they're supposed to be doing. It's my favorite thing in the whole wide world. If you're like – if you're like the best – I'm trying to think of something, you know, pastry chef, you know, and like you really freaking love cupcakes and like you are super excited – I love that. That's my favorite thing is watching yeah. that in people. Yeah. So if I can just by being my weird self and doing weird things can open that up for one other person, success to me. Success. I, I, I don't that. really care about the other stuff. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's success. Totally. So what inspires you? What are some things that inspire you? Um, pretty much everything. Yeah. Um, I really do like to be outside. I'm a big outside. I mean, we can't right now because we would get carried away by mosquitoes, which really stinks. But, oh, my gosh. Um, they're so bad. Um, but we are. Frogs are happy. <laughs> What's that? Frogs are happy. <laughs> we do have a pond. We have frogs. Yeah. They are very fat and happy right now. <laughs> and the fish, too. The fish are huge. Um, <laughs> but, uh we are very avid gardeners at our house, my husband and I, and um, our backyard is pretty much paradise. So we spend a lot of time out there, and I'm always watching birds and bees and butterflies and um, love nature. I love the beach. Yeah. Um, I'm completely inspired by my friends who are very creative and living their best lives. Um, I, of 
I like just the normal stupid things like Pinterest. I love looking on Pinterest. I love seeing what other people are making. Um, I a conversation with a stranger at the grocery store inspires me sometimes. Everything. Yeah. Everything. Coming back full circle to that. Everything inspires. Everything. Yeah. Yeah. The planet's amazing. Like, I'm in awe every day of the... Like, going on the beach and just looking at rocks and picking up rocks and individually looking at rocks and the patterns and the colors and the... It's just fast. It's, like, I don't know why everybody just can't (laughs) cry every minute of the day (laughs) with the joy of what's around us, you know? Like, that's how I feel. Yeah. And it's just... So making art isn't even... Making things isn't even an option for me. Like, I have to. Like, because that bundle of energy I get just looking around. Right. Oh, uh, thrift stores. Love thrift stores. Yeah. Totally. I I love, and it's real funny because I was born in the 70s, so I'm so attracted to the 70s stuff, which growing up, I was like, you know, like I physically broke a lamp in my house because I hated it so much. (laughs) And I didn't tell my mom until years later that I actually like took a hammer and broke it. Oh Um, my gosh. Like, but I hated it, you know, and now I'm so, and now I'm so again, attracted to that era and like the illustrations and the, like, it's just funny how that happens. Yeah. But we just found some, um, giant uh, Zodiac posters that were obviously from the 70s. Big black line, bold colors, like pink, purple, red, golds, you know. That's uh, awesome. With sort of painterly uh, expression, but with these narratives and... um, That's awesome. Yeah, just beautiful... And that little rush you get when you find something like that, that's just fun. Sure. Yeah. I got that rush big time a few weeks ago. Somebody from the UW-Milwaukee. So here's a really fascinating – this is what I love about the world. Living my life, no idea, but UW-Milwaukee has this collection of maps from the – American Geographical Society. In the 70s, they had space in their library in the third floor. And the the New York City has this, there's, it's still a thing. It's still a society. And these are people who collected maps and, you know, like it's a group of people. And in the 70s or 80s, I can't remember exactly, um, they had all these maps and they decided that they didn't want them anymore. So they looked for a place to put them and there was space at the at the library at UW-Milwaukee. So they took this collection. It was like, I don't know. I'm totally exaggerating because that's what I do. But I, there has to be like 500,000 maps. But oh I'm not really exaggerating. There's a lot. Like, look it up. It's amazing. And I thought when this woman call, contacted me, um, I thought – well, okay, we'll go there and I'll get maps because she said she wanted to give me some maps. And I was like, okay, we'll go there and we'll get maps. So my daughter and I went and she showed us around. I could not believe my eyes that this is right in Wisconsin and none of us know about it. This amazing collection of maps. We got to see maps that were like the original drawings of Australia and like – 
We got to see a book that was commissioned by Napoleon. Oh. They have like these amazing. Is that the Egypt one? The Egypt? The I don't even. Oh. It was. So anyways, they gave us duplicates. So they went through this entire collection and then they, they weeded out the duplicates so that they just have one of each in this in this library. But she, this woman had heard about the center and asked if we wanted some maps for our projects. Come, because <laughs> like well over a thousand maps. Like we have you guys so have many a maps. Thousand maps now? I have been moving maps. I'm like seriously buff right now because <laughs> I have been moving piles of maps around the center for weeks now. Um, yeah, and we're selling them for 50 cents. And then we'll use them to make books and stuff. But they're amazing. Oh my gosh. Amazing. I've looked at them so many times now and that I'm like, I can't even look at them anymore because there's so many. And I really, they've just become, there's so many. Um, but come and look. Okay. Yeah. So let's get to the, let's get to the center. <laughs> okay. Let's, um, cause pre-center, we had a conversation in my studio. Mm-hmm, I remember that. <laughs> And you actually mentioned the building that I ended up getting. Yeah, I was like, this is your building. And you I was like, no, 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 Erica, I can't afford that building. No, 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 no. I told, I was thinking about that conversation the other day. I was thinking how funny that was that you said that. And then I was like, no, 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 no. Yeah, but then you looked at it like the next day or something and you're like, I did. oh. I did. Okay, that's my building. I walked in and knew that yeah. it was the building that we had to have. So. I uh, jokingly put on Facebook, um, completely joking, I said, will somebody please buy me this building? I want to do this nonprofit. I want people to get together in a space. Um, I want my rich friends to sit at a table with my poor friends. I want us to make art together because I know what that does. Mm -hmm. I know what it does to sit five hours at a table with someone expressing yourself through art, you form a bond that you're never going to, it's never going to go away. I wanted that. Um, I've been traveling the country teaching for an art retreat company. And the only people who could really go were people who had money. Um, and it was the best time of my life. Like seriously, the best time of my life. We take over a hotel, 200 people come, we make art together for a week. It, best, most healing most life-changing moments of my life. And I wanted that to be an option for people who can't pay that kind of money to go. Right. So I just let my Facebook friends on a whim, jokingly. I I love this building, went and looked at it. It's beautiful. Somebody buy it for me. And uh, somebody did. <laughs> somebody did? Yeah. <laughs> so somebody from my past um, who wants to remain anonymous um, loaned me a hundred thousand uh, dollars with a very loose payment back schedule. Um, she had inherited some money, and she, her exact words, and now I'm going to tell you her exact words because I once quoted her as not saying this, and she corrected me. She said. I want to change the world, but I'm too fat and lazy to get off my couch and do it. And I know you can. So, um, so yeah, she is the reason that Hello Happiness Creativity Center exists. Wow. Um, and 
then after after that, um, it just kept happening. The board, I didn't even, we're a nonprofit, so we needed a board of directors. Um, I posted that again on Facebook, and they came to me. <laughs> I didn't have to search out people. We are looking for one board, uh, a board member right now, but <laughs> uh, just in case anybody's interested. Um, a, a friend who's a CPA offered to his services for the center. Um, my friends from all over the country from teaching at the art retreats sent boxes of supplies to sell in our thrift store. Um, we have a little art and craft thrift store. Uh, we, it's stupid cheap. Like things are five cents, 10 cents a quarter. Um, very intentional. Our store is not for someone like me who can afford to go to the store and buy something. Our store is for people who have to think about, I mean, and don't get me wrong. People like me are welcome and <laughs> please come and shop. But our prices are set so that people who have to think about buying a gallon of milk or paying the rent can come and shop and not feel, um, you know, just feel like just normal people. Yeah. Like I'm just going to the store that everybody goes to and I get to buy art supplies and be creative with my kids. Um, I just... I want it, it's it's almost that whole kind of hand up kind of, you know, like we're giving them the tools um, to just build a better life, which I think is going to build a better community. Like it's all just, you know, it's all just when you when you're able when people can feel like they're a part of something. Um, that normally they have not been a part of. We're going to change their. Th we're going to change the way they see the community. Whereas before they maybe um, lashed out in 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 quote unquote negative ways, mm -hmm. they're now going to have something that they can think. Well, I don't have to do it that way. I can do it this way. Mm -hmm. I can you know become a part of this thing that's that's positive and healthy and good for everyone, and then build on that and take advantage of all the other great art things that our community has to offer because it's amazing. Like the art community in this area is stupid good. Yeah. Like so good. Um, I went to the preserve the other day. Oh, my oh, the, gosh. Oh, preserve the Jamaica Color Arts yes. Art Preserve. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. I was so moved. Like, it was just amazing. But even as a working artist, I have sometimes been intimidated by that institution, mm -hmm. you know. Um, and um, I, I just want to – I want to be a bridge for everyone to say, okay, I can be comfortable in this space. Now I can go to this space. Now I can go to this space and feel comfortable there too. So oh, interesting. Yeah. That's always been how my head has worked. Yeah. Welcome back. 
on In the Act. We're here with Kim Geyser. Hello. 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 <laughs> uh, I think you were talking, I really want to get back to what we were talking about prior to this is that you went to the art preserve and that you'd felt prior to that um, with maybe some other institutions <clears throat> that um, intimidation. And mm-hmm. I think a lot of people feel that way. And we, Sheboygan itself is a really amazing art community. You're right. And, but we also have uh, a lot of working class uh, and farmers and um, in, in our community that I think many times um, don't feel accepted, uh, don't feel part of the same. It, let's see, let me rephrase that. Um, don't feel like their views are going to be honored or that they they do feel intimidated about coming into places. And I've always tried to figure out how we can make the whole community, all of us, are because it is a very diverse community, socioeconomically, uh, uh, racially, uh, experience, like I don't even know. We can just it go is, on. It's it is. really diverse. Yeah. And Sheboygan's really interesting because it's not a suburb. It's not a suburb of Milwaukee. It is becoming its own city in its own way. And because it's growing fast right now, we have the opportunity to help shape it in a way that's going to hopefully reach out to to people to have an equity um, of experience and connection and how do we how do we make that happen and i think when you're talking about building bridges and building relationships that's how we do it and uh creating that community center is amazing what do you think i know that you talked about feeling privileged too um but what do you think helped you get through to be able to feel comfortable, because I think that's a really important thing that you brought up of the intimidation. How did you feel comfortable walking through the doors? What made you decide to? What? Why did you want to? Um, I've always done things that have been uncomfortable for me my whole life. Mm-hmm. So even if I don't feel like I belong in a place, I'm still going to go. <laughs> right. <laughs> But I'm not like most people. Mm -hmm. So I recognize that my willingness to go into a place where I don't necessarily feel like I belong is not common. Right. So for me, I don't, you know, I, I don't necessarily think that walking into these institutions for me is difficult. Mm-hmm. But what made me realize is not everybody is like me, is that um, in 2017, I had worked at social services for three months. Um, And it, you know, when you asked earlier about PATH, the most important thing I've ever done in my life is work at social services for three months as a, um, I was a supervised visitation provider. So I picked up kids from foster care and brought them to their biological parents and supervised for an hour or two while they visited. 
um, it was traumatic for me. <laughs> like, I often felt uh, um, not ashamed, but I felt like I didn't have the right to feel traumatized by that experience. Sure. Because I was dealing with families who were dealing with real trauma. Right. Um, secondary. But I, being so empathic, people warned me. They're like, Kim, don't do this job. Kim, don't do this job. And I was like, I want to, you know, I want to make a difference, you know. So I took this job. Uh, My bubble was burst. I... I was living a very, like like I said earlier, I'm privileged. I have never had to suffer. I have never had to think about buying, uh, filling my car with gas. I have never had to um, do, I've never had to worry, really. I mean, I mean, I have worries, obviously. Sure. And you have yeah. times where it's like, oh, what do we, but not to that level. Yeah. So meeting those people and sitting with those people that, you know, that have completely different lives than I have ever, even, I didn't imagine that that was real, you know, like that experience completely changed the way that I look at the community. Mm-hmm. It completely changed the way that I look at everything, yeah. like completely. Um, and I, this wouldn't have happened without that experience. It took me almost this meaning hello the happiness hello center. happiness. Mm-hmm. Um, working at social services for three months, um, had I had health consequences for over a year. <laughs> I developed um, <clears throat> severe hives uh, in, to a point of becoming anaphylactic at times. Uh, the stress of that job. Uh, I had to quit. Um, it wasn't a, I wanted to quit. I Your had body to quit. Was My body you. was telling me. And I, I, I don't, I'm not totally woo-woo, but I believe in some woo-woo stuff. And I think my body was telling me this is, this is important. Like this is, yeah, oh, yeah. yeah, like this. I don't think that's woo-woo. <laughs> I think there, there's it's so much being, scientific evidence yeah. that you're, if, if you're not paying attention uh, and you're really stressed out, your body will do something too. Make um, you snap out of it. Yep. That's right. Um, and during that time, after I quit that job and I was still having the health issues, I was working somewhere else. And I loved the job, but the it almost got worse. Um, I I also feel like it was like, this is not it. This is not it. Right. Get away from this. Uh, um, so it's just been real interesting. It kind of goes back to earlier listening to that inner, you know, like learning the lessons of what things are teaching you and right that reflection um, cycle the one of the families that i worked with when i was in social services um one of the most of the kids i dealt with were little um but there was one teenage girl who i have stayed in contact with um we're besties now (laughs) she'll like text me like hey bestie um she's one of the major reasons this is happening um that feeling of knowing that I've touched somebody's life, mm-hmm. um, again, to me, success. Mm-hmm. I don't care about money. Um, I'm fortunate to be married to <laughs> somebody who who provides enough for our family. Um, we are very, very frugal people. We don't, mm-hmm. you know, money has just never been my thing. It just never has. But 
getting a text from a teenager who has had the kind of life that you only read about in books and see in movies Mm -hmm. saying, I have a job interview. What do I do? And knowing that you are a person that 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 person is going to, I mean, come on. So to me, it was a no-brainer that if I can use my creativity mm-hmm. and all these experience that I, experiences that I've had and open this place where people like this girl can come, mm-hmm. and even if it's five people in the, you know, if, if this place lasts 20 years and there's five kids who, or, or five adults whose lives are different, mm-hmm. success. Absolutely. I hope it goes on forever, though the center yeah yeah i'm hoping that it's just stays gets bigger grows more people find out about it and want to be involved and we can i don't know take over an old grocery store and have this huge thing that you know (laughs) i'm never going to stop thinking bigger and thinking of more lives we can touch and more ways we can do things more stuff we can keep out of a landfill more Mm-hmm. more ways to build a community. It's just how I am. Mm-hmm. It's never going to be enough. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> Always chasing more. And within that <clears throat> excess of, which almost feels like brainstorming, like getting everything in, you also, you know, in that reflection part of psychologically what you do, you also do that physically. You reflect on your spaces and then reorganize them and take time to really reorganize those spaces. And that's an important nugget to, um, and difficult to do, I think, to re-examine, filter, both physically and uh, and psychologically. How it's do you, so natural yeah. to me. Yeah. <clears throat> it's like such a natural thing to me. I, I when, when we have, a, we actually have staff now. Um, so that's exciting. But when our when our staff and, and team team as a whole, the volunteers and the staff, when we um, talk, I, I jokingly tell them all the time that in our tiny little thrift store, um, when you come in, it's going to be rearranged because that is my that is my like I have to do that. Yeah. Um, so part of opening was just my selfish. <laughs> Like, I get to rearrange all the time. Right. Um, but it, it's just a natural thing for me. Right. Like, I want to sort and I have always just been, I have always wanted to take things that other people don't want and make them into something that they want. Transformation. Yeah. I've all, that's always been, I think, with stuff and people. Yeah. I'm usually attracted to weird people. Like I'm attracted to people who are different, who I genuinely enjoy oddness. Yeah. I really do. Yeah. In everything. Yeah. <laughs> so um yeah. So thinking about the center, how do you imagine it can grow like you talked about it potentially growing but like what do you see happening because when you were create like hello happiness was also a store 
It's also the right? name of my book. I'm, so the oh, original name okay. came from the name of my book. And then I did the store on Michigan Avenue for just a year. That was a one-year pop-up. Um, and now it's the, the center. center. And so, like, there are different rooms inside. Mm-hmm. Can you explain a tiny bit about the space? And sure. What hopefully eventually we can it can grow into. Yeah. So it's it's this has been a very great exercise for me in holding off until things are ready because I'm usually the kind of person. Well, I did it with I mean in, in general with buying, you know, right. with starting this. It was like I'm doing this right. and then I'm like, "Oh, I'm doing it. Oh, what do I what do I do?" But um so when you walk in uh, the back door, because it's a very old building and the front steps, the front door <laughs> doesn't quite work. And like, it's a super cool old building. So the back entrance um, is where you walk in. If you look to the left, there is the studio, which is stocked full of stuff. Um, we were fortunate to get a grant to buy tools for the studio so that eventually we can teach classes like soldering and um, – Like soldering for jewelry? Yeah. Okay. With an iron. So it would be like oh, the yeah. um, stained glass type. Oh, nice. Know. Okay. Um, we just were able to buy a lot of tools with that grant. Fantastic. So it was wonderful. Originally, that the idea was that room was going to also have open studio time, but it's just mm-hmm. – it's a little overwhelming in that room. So mm-hmm. what we have done is off of the main studio on the main level, there's a small room that has a kitchen table with four chairs. Um, soon, in the next couple of months, we're going to be able to offer that room as open studio time. Oh. So we'll have the room stocked with just basic things. Um, and you can just go in there and make and donate whatever you can. Um the studio space will be where we have classes and programming. Um, starting October 1st, uh, the Aspire group at North High School will be coming and helping us out, doing some little odd jobs. So they'll be using that room then. So we'll just have to kind of manage time in that room to make sure that everybody's, you know. Um, then when you walk out of the studio on the main level, there is our tiny thrift store. That is chalked full of stuff. So we get donations from people um, and organizations, schools, um, businesses, and it's all art and craft supplies. So you're not weeding through clothing or or anything. Um, So anything you can use to make something creative, we have it. (laughs) Um, It's a lot. Uh, We also purchase, uh, because I think that it's important to be able to have like just canvases and paintbrush and craft paint. So we buy in bulk some of the things just so that we can offer them Mm -hmm. and people can, again, feel empowered by being able to buy a canvas, you know, and and affording it. And um, just a, it's just a fun little space. I, I sell my art in there to help fund the all the money stays at the center. So yeah. when I have time to make art, I hang it up and, and sell it in there. Um, and then just a couple of weeks ago, we closed for a week, which we do three times a year just to kind of regroup. Um, we completely reorganized and it's looking so top notch right now. But in the basement, we also have a classroom now. So that can seat 10. And that will also be a space uh, where people can drop in and use that space um, 
during certain times when we're open. In a couple of months, we'll do that. Um, we just wanted to have that upper and lower so that if people can't use the stairs, they still have that option in that upper space. Right. Um, and then in the basement is also our donation sorting room. And then we have a room where we have lots of things. So, like, a lot of people donate wine corks. <laughs> <laughs> like a lot of wine corks. So we have like bins of wine corks and bins of chenille stems. So this is the room where like if you have an organization that needs a, cra- a cr- you know, like a craft kind of thing, we can be like, we can hook you up. We have 7,000 awesome. wine corks. So wow. that's that room. Um, as far as expanding, I think in this building, we're at max yeah. Capacity. Um, <laughs> I, but I'm good with that. Yeah. Like it's good. Yeah. Like we, we have it. It's just really good right now. Yeah. Um, I don't, I think that in the future, I think we'll need a bigger building eventually. Yeah. I don't see that happening in the next five, you know, years or anything, but right. I think there will come a point where it will be, we'll be ready for a new building. Our next hurdle is a ramp. Um, We do not have handicapped accessibility right now. Uh, I really struggled with that. I struggled opening not having that accessibility. Um, But I opened during the pandemic, and I needed to pay for that building. I needed to start, you know, getting the word out. And so if somebody is unable to come in and wants to shop, I will, somebody on our staff will gladly walk around and do a cell phone shopping trip um but we just got the quote and it's about twenty thousand dollars so yeah we'll be we'll be hopefully getting that in the spring but it'll be a winter of trying to figure out how to how to pay for that but um but that's huge for us yeah i I mean it's huge how can you say you're uh creativity for everyone right you know without that so it's gonna happen because it has to but that's the that, uh, that's that's the next big step. <laughs> yeah. Well, thank you so much for sharing. And how can people get a hold of you? Um, you can come into the center. It's uh, fifteen oh four New Jersey Avenue in Sheboygan. Uh, right on the corner of New Jersey and 15th, I think. It's Kitty Corner from Sheridan Elementary uh, in that really cool building that looks like a bank or something, but it's not. It's a crazy place with lots of art supplies in it. Um, or you can uh, you can email me at hellohappinesscc at gmail. Um, or just check out our Facebook page. That's probably the best. Hello Happiness Creativity Center on Facebook and Instagram. We post a lot on those. But just stop in because you're going to love it. (laughs) It's great. (laughs) Kim, thank you so much for sharing about yourself and wisdom and um, highs and lows and in-betweens and the colors (laughs) of, of you. So thank you so much. I enjoyed seeing you again. It's been a while. So thank you. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. (laughs) In the Act is produced in the studios at Mead Public Library in Sheboygan, Wisconsin. More information on the web at meadpl.org.